Welcome back, DMP Volume 29. Today is Wednesday, September 22nd, and uh, we're back after a four-week hiatus. Matt, welcome back. How you been, man? I'm doing good, brother. It's good to be back. A uh, little sciatical, excuse me, sabbatical for uh, for the fellas, but back and excited to get into this, man. I missed you. I missed the yeah. show. We'll call it, uh, we're, we're going into season two. That's what we're going to call it. We, uh, we took a yes. little break in between seasons. We do 29 episode seasons and um, yeah, we're back at it. Um, you know, feeling good, feeling fully nasally. So uh, cannot <laughs> complain. What have you been up yeah, to the last four weeks? What's uh, just, we've been doing? Just living life, man. Uh, trying to, trying to get out of the house a little bit more. Um, spread the wings, had a little COVID scare, you know, you were with me. We had a little bachelor party trip. Mm-hmm. Out to uh, out to Cashville, Tennessee. Good times, but uh, but yeah, it gave us a little scare. Had to take a couple weeks off, get our mind right, live a little bit. But you know, we're back. Live a little bit. Wasn't shit going on in the world, so we uh, <laughs> decided yes. to to take a little hiatus. I've been uh, speaking. Yeah, I was gonna say not to cut you off. Speaking of uh, taking a little hiatus, nothing going on in the world. I would like to formally start this episode off with a rest in peace to Michael K. Williams, not yes. only to remember the legend, but also since you were quarantining, you just recently dug into the wire. Am I correct? For the first time? You are correct. So upon the news of hearing of his passing, um, always known the wire was a great show. My viewings of stuff that Michael K. Williams has been is like some of the more later shows and movies that he's been in. So I never saw the wire. So I figured I don't have shit to do. Time to start watching it. So I'm about six episodes into season two. And the thought that keeps coming back to me is why did it take me so long to watch this? Um, the first exactly. season was perfect television. It was like perfect early 2000s, like corniness in some spots. Um, they're still using typewriters in the police. Station. Still using typewriters <laughs> and shit. So um, I'm excited, man. I, there's a lot to Michael K. Williams character that, I didn't know about, so I appreciate everybody I've talked to not spoiling anything for me. Um, so it's it's nice to go into one of the best shows on TV with uh, with fresh ears, fresh eyes. Absolutely, and for whoever is listening to this, please, it would be a real shame if you slid into Alex's DMs and uh, and spoiled the wire for him. So let's st- let's keep it cordial. Let's stay out of the DMs. No spoiling. Let's let him enjoy it as if it was two thousand and five. Um, <laughs> but you are correct. Fantastic show. I started it. I think when quarantine first uh, first got cracking about a year and a half ago. Took me a while, man. I finished Breeze Through season one. Season two is my uh, my sticking point. Um, not my favorite ep- season of television. I know that's controversial. A lot of people enjoy it. A lot of people don't. I think that might be like probably one of the most debated seasons in TV history, to be honest with you, as far as people on both sides of the fence. Um, but yeah, great show. Omar is probably, he's definitely my favorite TV villain of all time. If you could even call him that, that's what's so beautiful about his character. You you love him. You don't want to hate him. Um, but just fantastic show. So so let's get into a, a little a little wired talk impromptu. Who, give me some of your favorite characters so far. Um, let's get into who you like first. Gotta go with big bunk fan. I think he's hilarious when he's yeah. like shit faced, cheating on his wife, and just <laughs> starts burning his clothes in the bathroom. I thought that was unreal. His like <laughs> drunk grunts cracked me up. Um, uh, Jimmy, <laughs> yeah. 
he's always rocking that like perfect like flat brim hat when he's out puffing a cheap cigar yeah he's a hilarious detective um i like avon i just can't not like julius campbell uh where it's just <laughs> one of my favorite actors uh, plays a good kingpin too oh of course he does and it's just like mm-hmm. i just see julius when i when i view him so i'm like i can't not root for you yeah, it's like, dude, um, you're playing defensive end for TC Williams, and now you're <laughs> you're stepping on this hair on, right? <laughs> you do it so swaggy too. Mm-hmm. Um, He's good. Always same uh, same goes for for Stringer Bell. Love you, DeSelva. Um, mm. He's becoming more of a more of a scumbag, in my opinion. But first season, he's kind of tight. Second season, he's getting to. The power's kind of getting to him. I feel like he's got a a tough uh, a tough road ahead of him. Mm-hmm. Um, who else do I like? I like Bodie a lot. Bodie's like, great. Bodie's great. Um, just down in the down in the slums, running the shit. I'm excited to see his character he's, grow and develop. He's a soldier. He's for the cause, strictly. And fucking Dom from Entourage was putting him in the fucking ringer and see. Oh one. my god, uh, scooping Herc. him up and beating his ass. Yeah, I fucking hate her. He he might yeah. be one of my most hated characters on the show. So now that you have finished season one, I need to know: Did you? Did you have any sort of emotion when uh, when Bodie had to cap Mike or Michael? That was rough. That was Michael rough. Jordan. It was yeah. tough, right? Yeah. Uh, I thought he was going to have more of a character throughout the show. But then, like, once he started snitching, I was like, oh, he's done. He's not making it out of the season. Yeah, um, he should have known better. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I was bummed. I liked Wallace. D'Angelo had that soft spot for Wallace. I remember <laughs> when he he went off on Stringer. Where's the ass string? <laughs> Where's Wallace at Stringer? One of my favorite things about going back to these shows that were like in early 2000s is seeing characters from way less important movies and TV shows. So D'Angelo's the kicker in the water boy. Um, yep. <laughs> uh, Herc is Dom from Entourage. Like I saw, uh, who else is in it that I've seen? Um, uh, McNulty's in like a, a movie with Sandra Bullock where she has to go to like rehab. He basically plays the same person. I can't he's see playing, the doing anything than playing yeah, an Irish. Drunk he's a piece cop. of yeah, piece of shit drunk who just tries to bring everybody down with him. So yeah, yeah. I think he might be that just might be that guy. I don't think he's <laughs> acting. We uh we open our show with the Clay Davis shit. And mm-hmm. I've seen him in parts. He's had his first little like he popped up already snap. Yeah, he's a little bit in season one. Um when oh, they have shit. uh Ashy Larry from Chappelle show oh, doing drug right. deal there, picking up money for him. Again, Ashley Larry is in it. <laughs> yep, 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 yep. You're right. Damn, I forgot all about that storyline. Um, but every time I see Clay Davis, I'm like, all right, where's the first she coming? She. And he hasn't done it yet. He had that one part where he snaps at Lieutenant Daniels and mm-hmm. he kind of just like shows his non senator side. So I'm excited <laughs> to see him probably in season three. Yeah, he only gets better as the show goes on. Um, I want to know, I need to probably do some research or, or ask some. Uh, some some of my Maryland folks, is that like a Baltimore thing or is that a Clay Davis thing? Because Shit. I feel, yeah. And I want to say, I don't know, because I feel like in the show, they almost kind of joke around as it being like a regional thing, but I could be totally off base. I'm sure people will roast me in the comments for saying that, but you definitely have a feeling. hear it. You definitely hear it from other people. Like, right. I feel like Kima Gregg says it. Sheet. Yeah, just yeah. nobody does it like Clay <laughs> Davis does it. He holds it. He holds the note. She lets it, he lets it out there. <laughs> yeah, Clay no, Davis is fucking incredible. It's fucking it's also, 
it's also such a great show because it, it gives you so many different groups of people like the seasons will follow you follow the street but you're also following the police department second season you're following the street the police department as well as the union the stevedores and it just goes on and on as the seasons continue they they have these rotating different groups that are in the show and you get to know characters and, and storylines that are all separate but end up kind of intersecting and linking up somehow um, yeah so it's such you a good show you don't really know who to root for it's like do i want to root for exactly. like the cops do i want to root for the drug dealers do i want to root for omar whatever the hell you put him in um lone wolf the lone wolf for sure unless he's got a, a nice latin boyfriend with him <laughs> right <laughs> uh who else is in that malachi from save the last dance is bird he just got a uh oh you're right you know that's another random one i gotta throw out there am i uh, tripping or was we bay in something before he looks so familiar. I don't know if he is or not. He might just have that face. No, Weebay is in something. What is he in, though? I might have to look that up. Another thing I love, and I told you about it when I was watching it, is I love seeing the famous gifts pop up from that show. Oh, so there's like, so many. to like You can't even. Like so Weebay has to, a famous one. Yep, when they, when they realized that Kimo was a cop. Yep. And uh, then there's, there's another one with, uh, what's his face? With, Avon. Uh, Avon. Where the window's going down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's oh, another another one of my favorite parts of the show. Uh, his name is Hassan Johnson. Yep, look at his name. And damn, he's 43 years old now. He was in a Spike Lee flick. He was in Belly, allegedly. Of course. Um, interesting. He was in the music video for 50 Cent's Just a Little Bit. <laughs> he, was in, he was in Entourage as Bunky. Oh, oh shit, you're right. I think he was like Saigon's buddy. <laughs> oh, <laughs> the roof yeah. of the rapper? dumping him off the roof <laughs> on the balcony. Yeah. I told you the old contract was dead. We deaded yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, WeeBay is incredible. Um, yeah. But another thing I was going to say about The Wire is, I don't know about you, but that's one of the few shows where I really enjoy watching the full intro to the show. I don't skip the intro when I watch it. Oh, I skipped um, that. Oh, see, okay. <laughs> One of the cool parts about that show is they put in little clips of scenes from the season in the intro. So it's like you'll be watching the show and you'll be like, oh, wait, that was from the fucking opening credits. That's from the, the intro. And yeah. it's just like one of those those click moments where you're like, oh, I see what they're doing here. I just feel like they the, got music, a plan. the music does not match the show. I just feel like the intro music is just so in a different direction of like, the theme and the vibe that the show gives off i'm like right this seems like a corny ass like cbs program and then you jump into like the wire and so it's like and the thing I is the shit out of that it's the same song every season and they yep. just have a new artist sing it in a different way so mm-hmm. don't be fooled oh, you, yeah so it's the same song and then every season they have somebody else perform it so like it sounds completely different or pretty different uh, um some of them are trash but some of them are fucking slappers. I kid you not. <laughs> I have a few of them saved on my on my Spotify every now and then. When I'm when I'm feeling a little nostalgic, missing the show, I'll, I'll turn on the on the wire intro and you know just have a little, nice little drive. It reminds <laughs> when me you of walk the, through the garden. Uh, the other show I watched in this break was uh, finished up Peaky Blinders, and they do a similar thing. <sighs> me too. Song. Sometimes it's like a much like with the version of that song. Yeah, great what, show. Uh, I just finished that too. What do you think of that show? Now we're just talking shows. Yeah, now we're just shooting shows, but that's fine. People will love it. Um, Really enjoyed it. Me and Bianca watched it together. She was a big fan too. 
Um, Arthur Shelby is, I think he's my favorite, favorite character on the show. He's just an incredible mess, uh, who wants to do good, but just has so many demons. And, uh, I love Arthur Shelby. He's, he's fantastic, man. I know you're a big Johnny dogs guy. I like Johnny dogs. He's my, uh, <laughs> he's my guy. I was like, Tommy's cool, but he gets kind of annoyed towards the end. Um, yeah. gets power hungry. He gets power hungry. Johnny Dogs, man. They almost called him, uh, what's his name? Called him out for a snitch. He proved he's not a snitch. Yeah. Yep. And that was a Johnny big Dogs. time. <laughs> Johnny Dogs stays loyal and true if there's one thing he'll do. My um, favorite part of this season, of the final season, is when uh, Tommy is sort of like detailing their last like big hit. And mm-hmm. he's like, we're going to make 30000 each. And Johnny Dogs, ooh, we dummy. <laughs> He's such <laughs> like uh, he's what like a gypsy. <laughs> I was gonna say they're gypsies. He's gypsy scum. He but really his boy is. Tommy looks out. He knows how to dig a, a hole. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, dogs will go down murdering for some cash. He will. I'm a big Abrahama Gold fan too. I was pretty heartbroken the last episode when you got murked at the uh, fascist rally. That was a bummer. Yeah. I. Uh, uh, you know, he's Littlefinger in Game of Thrones. When I first saw him, I was like, oh, I'm not gonna like this dude. And then. Again, he's just a good actor. Yeah, he's a good actor, pure gypsy in the show. Um, right. Because I hate little things. Son gets murked. Oh, when oh, yeah, Bonnie got does. crucified alive, that was fucking terrible. Bonnie Gold. He's got golden yeah. gloves. He's got. Oof, man. Yeah, he's that was sad. Um, but yeah, that actor's great. He he does a good job playing a hateable little finger. Um, he crushes uh, Abraham Gold, and then he's also you'll meet him next season in The Wire. He pops up as Tommy Carcetti. Of course he is. He's also so you'll, like the Batman movies. He's he's, he's, he's just good. Yeah, he's he's good at what he does. Yeah. Um, that was uh, that was talking TV was, shows. What I didn't watch was Ted Lasso, which has been cleaning up. But no, we'll save that for another time. Yeah, I, uh, I think I just got word before we hopped on this that that might be the next show in this house that's getting watched. So we'll see. In this household, we watch <laughs> only Emmy winning shows. Yes. Um, but yeah, we're back. We're uh, we're a new season. Been doing a lot of shit. Um, we mm-hmm. got NBA training camps about two weeks away. Um, we sort of riding the ship from a uh, post-COVID world. Adam Silver is just forcing players to play on this unrealistic <laughs> schedule. But we're back on track with a normal eighty-two game season starting in mid-October. Um, thought it'd be fun to just start. I mean, where do you want to go? Do you want to talk a little bit of odds or do you want to talk the Ben Simmons saga that I'm sure everybody's sick of hearing about? Because I personally am tired of this Ben Simmons shit. I'm getting tired of it too, so let's just dive in and, and, and get rid of it first. Ben oh, Simmons, <laughs> what, what's the tea today? Some some news broke this morning on my Twitter machine when I, when I woke up. It wasn't just that Rich Paul has been dating Adele. It is <laughs> it's that It's not Rich- about that. It's not about <laughs> Anthony Davis being this random, like, I want to be a singer and just serenading his wife throughout a whole wedding, which can is we, a can, power move. Can we talk about that? All I saw over the weekend was clips of Anthony Davis's wedding and him grabbing the microphone on stage. And it looked like he was probably up there for what, an hour on the fucking microphone? He had a full in, band. Instead of doing a first dance with his wife, he decided to sing Luther Vandross to her. Like, come on, dude. He sounds like he sounds like me. He sounds like an alien. Like, you're not I mean, singing. Have, dog. You, have you heard the guy in an interview? Yeah, he sounds like an alien. <laughs> He's got the fucking weirdest voice that does not yeah. match his his seven foot frame. So there, there's no way that uh, 
that he should have been allowed, that his, his respectful wife should have allowed him to grab that microphone. Um, just because you're paying for the wedding doesn't mean that you can interrupt the beautiful band that's playing. But it's not right. like it was just one song. Like there are multiple <laughs> clips of him singing and dancing to multiple songs. Like, dude, put the fucking mic down, spend some time with your wife, dance with your family, and yeah. let the people you play you're paying for play the music. Yeah, I'm sure the singer was just sitting back, like, uh, is he gonna do this all fucking night? <laughs> Another Luther Vandross song. Yeah, you better be on. tipping real well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but the big news out of that was adele and, and rich paul finally uh out in public yeah mm-hmm. um but speaking of clutch clients so ben simmons i feel like over the last pretty much since like the olympics ended it's been differently worded ben simmons is not reporting the training camp and then he's done with the sixers and like today was yet another tweet by another nba insider saying Ben Simmons is fully okay with taking on the penalty hits for his salary for not showing camp. He's not going to show up to camp. All communication will go through Rich Paul and Clutch. And the same rumors are kind of just like it. He's sort of screwed. I don't know. What do you think? Do you think he's a, does he have any leverage? Well, the one good thing for him is he plays in the NBA, not the NFL. So already I think he has a lot of the leverage and I mean, he signed his five-year extension, was it a year ago? Last year, yeah. So he's got pretty much, I think, five fresh years on that contract. Um, I don't think he's screwed as much as the Sixers are screwed because his trade stock is not rising any. Now that people know he is absolutely not going to be playing in Philadelphia and doesn't have any intention of going back there, why would they offer anything that's halfway good to the Sixers? Right. Very true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So I don't see Ben Simmons really taking the bigger hit. I think it's more so going to be the owners of the Sixers, which seems to be the trend in the NBA. It's a player's league. They kind of decide who they want to team up with, where they want to go, even after they sign their big money. And it's just they're like, okay, yeah, sure. Like, we'll, we'll make that happen for you. Look at Paul George. He signed that max extension with the Thunder. Yep. And, and then they got rid of Russ and he was like, uh, you think it'd be all right if you could send me over to the Clippers? Kawhi wants to play. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, sure. No problem. Yeah, yeah. We'll, do a couple. Well, we'll do it for you. The only thing I'll say is like, that was with not Daryl Morey. And I feel like Daryl Morey is so mm-hmm. about himself and thinks he's like this wizard that, and this is where I think like Ben Simmons is going to get shipped off to some shitbag city is like, I don't think, Maury's in any rush to take calls and listen to you know teams that are only going to offer up like their second or third assets that they have and it's like unless Ben is like okay with going to like Cleveland I was listening to to uh the fun report and they're running down a list of every single team and would they give up their best player for Ben Simmons and there's really only like four teams and it's like yeah, the Cavs, the Kings, which maybe you can make a case to keep uh, De'Aaron Fox, um, the Cavs, the Magic, like maybe Minnesota after Ant, but that's not their best player. Like it's right. His options are bleak. And I think Maury can just like they need Ben Simmons, obviously, but I don't think they're that bad of a team without him to where they're not going to be competitive mm-hmm. in the East, at least for the time being. Uh, so do you think they're going to be more so treating this like a Deshaun Watson situation? Um, I think 
QB number three? I think Maury's going to have to come off his, like, I'm going to get James Harden style package from for it. Like, yeah. yeah. Eventually, push is going to shove. Like, it, it's going to be bad. Um, and I think that's where it's like this weird standoff of, like, we're just kind of getting old of, like, someone needs to make a move because, yep. like, Ben Simmons shouldn't be sitting out this much of just not playing and pouting. But he also has a right to be like, fuck this team. They've treated him like shit the last like year and a half. Rightfully, a lot yeah. of us deserved, but... Uh, like... Keep it real, though. If, <laughs> if, if my head coach said after the Eastern Conference Finals, I don't know if we can win a championship with this guy, I don't think I'd want to come back either. Yeah. Like, Especially if that guy is Doc Rivers. <laughs> like, get the fuck out of here. What have you done? Yeah, <laughs> besides, like... It's... Besides one lucky ring. Like Ben Simmons has been the guy who's held the team up while Embiid's getting hurt and playing out of like out of shape, and Embiid is yep. equally as to blame throughout the Hawks series as not being like fully there 100 percent each game and to just completely throw him under the bus. Um, also, bringing in trade rumors to start the season with James Harden, which again Maury couldn't do. Like, right? It's just it's just Philly being Philly. So um, it's a tough look. I do think he will get moved. I don't think it's going to be to a team of his choice or like his preferred destination. I think it's going to be whoever they can get the best package out of, which if you sign a five-year extension and then demand a trade, like we're not going to let you pick where you're going to go. You know what I mean? So right. I think, yeah, I don't know if it's going to happen by the start of the season. I think it's probably going to be Maybe a like few weeks in. Games in. Yeah. It'll probably be similar to like a James Harden thing, except he's not going to suit up overweight. <laughs> <laughs> James got to go in history for like that first week and a half in Houston where he was just overweight. Wouldn't give a shit. Like so How, funny. Like breaking doesn't COVID give a f- protocol. Yeah, yeah. COVID protocols meant nothing to him. <laughs> yeah. That was for sure. Like a, a legendary stretch. That was great. Um, and I heard something interesting today of just like it, wherever Simmons goes, it's just setting him up to go to LA. Like, mm-hmm. I think the Westbrook is a chip that they're going to use once Westbrook's like kind of done. Money matches up, and we'll see Ben Simmons in LA in the next two years or so. Yeah, wouldn't surprise me at all. Like you said, Rich Paul is his agent. Rich Paul pretty much is orchestrating everybody and their mother to come to LA, except Nerlens Noel. So, uh, <laughs> Yeah, he got fucked. But yeah, I'm sure the Lakers are in his sights. And that got me looking at a couple of uh, hypothetical deals. And one that included Ben Simmons was getting him to the Hawks. And the Sixers would get Cam Reddish, Kevin Herter, and Gallinari. um, And sort of open up those slots on the wings for him. I also saw before that was trading Tobias for CJ McCollum. So the Sixers would have CJ, they'd have Reddish, they'd have Gallinari, they'd have Herter. Um, Yo, I love that for Philly. Right? Philly with, coming out with CJ, Cam Reddish, Herter, and Danilo? Oh, my God. Yeah, take Ben Simmons and Tobias. I'm cool. Like, <laughs> right? you have them. Yeah, I, I love that for them. I don't think it's going to happen, but that's that would be a – a very, very nice trade in their favor, I think. And that would help Atlanta, too. I mean, you got Trey. Like, he just needs help in the backcourt with with the bigger guards that are going to bully him. You let Ben take care of them. He doesn't need to shoot. Surround him with shooting. I think that kind of works well on both sides. I think it does, too. And I feel like Tobias, like, can kind of take the place of whatever the hell Melo was doing for Portland, being that, like, mm. bigger wing scorer. 
Um, obviously, losing CJ will be huge, but I feel like the writing's on the wall with the whole Dave CJ thing that's not going to work out long term. So you might as well start to see what you can get for those guys. And I've always that's thought CJ would be great in Philly. I don't know why. I feel like he'd always be a good yeah. mix in, uh, in Philly. I could so, see that. Went to college in Pennsylvania. Makes sense. Yeah. Although that is a bummer. Did you see he just, uh, I don't know if he bought or is building like a. Um, he bought a, a vineyard. A vineyard in in, uh, in Oregon, right? I'm assuming Oregon. They've got good, I, I'm pretty, good, it is good land for out sure. there. Yeah, good good soil. Um, but that would be a bummer. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking buys a, <laughs> buys a vineyard and then just gets shipped off to Philadelphia. I know. I'm excited. I want to try CJ's one day. We're doing a. I'm a big fan of him. I like CJ. Yeah. Yeah, oh, he's good. also, quick pause, quick update for all you guys out there. I know you remember our Scotty Pippen episode. <laughs> yeah. Big news. Me and AB just both uh, purchased a nice bottle of Scotty Pippen bourbon digits, and we will be doing a live uh, tasting on one of our episodes coming up. So stay tuned for that. Cannot wait. That shit better be good. That is a, I knew it would be expensive, but I didn't expect it to be that expensive. Um, hey man, he's he's got to come up with that money that Larsa took. It's coming out of our end now. I know. Fuck. We're trying to make them a sponsor. We'll be a the first sponsor. Digits Bourbon. Yeah. Right now, it's <laughs> officially unofficial. The sponsor of DMP. Officially but. unofficial. Yeah. Until we get maybe a cease and desist or something. Subject to change. <laughs> um, uh, but we're doing a live tasting with that one of these days, whenever it gets shipped to us. Um, but yeah, and then the last thing I want to touch on as far as the league goes around, some odds. Ooh, so, feed me. Favorite are the Nets, plus 240, which I feel like pretty guaranteed the, the Nets and the Lakers to go to ones. Lakers are plus 400. Um, the Warriors are plus 900, tied for the third best odds. In the NBA, In not the, the NBA, West. Not the West. For a championship, isn't that insane? Like that is banana. Like I love the respect we're getting, but that is such a high ceiling to put us on. Like right off the bat, like we don't even know the clear timetable for Clay. We still don't know the clear timetable for Wiseman. That is scary to me that people are looking at us to be third favorites in the NBA to win the chip. That's nuts. Like it's we didn't even make the playoffs last year. I don't know what. <laughs> I know. Like. It's like so many assumptions that Clay is going to be back. Now, unless it's something we don't know about the trade market or something like that or, or, or what, but man, if you're putting, if you're putting money on that, you are a fool um, because the bucks are plus 900 as well. And it's like much safer, bet. I mean, they got better. They just want not getting, it's not getting any worse. He's not coming in fat and lazy. Like, like some players might. Um, Bobby resigned. Yeah. If I was a, a betting man, a man of game of skills, I would put the house on the Bucks. Plus 900. I like those yeah. odds. For sure. Uh, the other ones are like the Suns are plus 1500, which again, like that makes sense. Maybe for the Warriors. Like, <laughs> Yeah. I feel like those should be like, who did the, who did Phoenix lose that they didn't have in last year's finals in the off season? They didn't really lose anybody. Did they? I think they gained, didn't they sign JaVale? They signed JaVale. They lost. No, they, they kept campaign. I just thought they – I just think they're like – they're like the heat to me that went to the finals the other year. Like, they kind of – I say they got lucky. I just – I don't no, think It all plays ready. a part. Yeah, yeah, I don't think they're championship ready just yet. They're still missing a few pieces. 
um, especially in, from a depth perspective. Um, That's fair to say. Yeah, Chris Paul's like 40 years old, so it's like... <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, a couple other ones. The Clippers are plus 1,600. Again, if you think Kawhi's going to be the Kawhi we're used to from like a couple years back, that kind of makes sense. They're still the Clippers. I don't... That's one of those. I need to see it before I can even put any sort of confidence in those guys. Yeah, you're. I'm not. I'm not buying stock on playoff P in October. Hell no. <laughs> All the and and I don't know if you if you noticed or if you saw this, but at the uh, what was it? The Clippers uh, new stadium. What was the event? What was like the proper title for that event? So it was like the not- official announcement. <sighs> Yeah, the new stadium like announcement, the, right? It was the announcement, right? For the interim, right that they're breaking down, da- breaking dome. ground or some shit. Yeah. Did you see the the clips that came out of Kawhi and Paul George sitting there just looking like they wanted to off themselves during that? <laughs> I don't know who was performing. I don't know what yeah, song I don't know it was. Who the fuck it was. It was your Point classic like or something like that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was your classic like American pop song that everybody yeah. knows the words but don't know the title or the artist. And I thought that Kawhi was going to, like, take off his shoe and beat himself with it. He looked like he was so miserable. The best is whoever was filming that clip was, like, zooming in on him. And he caught the camera, and he looks up, takes does a little <laughs> glance at the camera, like, this fucking sucks. <laughs> and that's also um, after he was just shown in the, the Way Too Sexy video with Drake. So Kawhi's right. been a – I feel like Kawhi's at a point now where he's just going to, like – he knows the camera's on him, and he knows they're playing this whole, like – Kawhi's a robot thing so he's just gonna start fucking with people I kind of like it I love it I love Kawhi too I, I can't deny it man he he's so fun to watch <laughs> yeah I'm excited for him to be but again he's he's hurt for a good amount of the first part of the season himself he hurt his like what yeah right before the playoffs right? uh it was either an ACL or a meniscus one of those tricky things damn so plus 1600 um, again no chance <laughs> so who do who do we got third in the east then in those the next one is the, the Sixers. So they're plus 1,600 as well, which... See, with those Ben Simmons questions, you can't touch that. Yeah. And then the final one that's on this list are your Utah Jazz at plus 1,600. Oh, yuck. <laughs> I would put what cold, hard cash down to say that they'll finish first in the West and be bounced before the conference finals. Yeah, that, Those I, are some odds that I need. <laughs> I know those are like legit odds. Yeah. Um, if I was a Batman, I'd put money on the Hawks, maybe. Although I think they're kind of fluky this year. I don't know. Last year was just such a, a random, like so many injuries, just the way the it, seeds worked out. Like it was the perfect random year. If you if everything was clicking and 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 your team didn't get bit too bad by the injury bug, it was your year. Yep. And they benefited from that big time. This one says sleeper that could win the West, Utah Jazz at plus 750. Get tossed. Get fucking tossed. Heavens no. What? <laughs> no, not happening. Sorry. Maybe a uh, new addition, Eric Pascal, will lead them to the promised land. <laughs> well, I lead at it. Yeah, fuck no. <laughs> um, but once we get into more like the training camp stuff, we'll have some more weekly updates on the dubs, updates on Clay's injury. Clay's just been living life on his boat. You know, Man, did you see his last Instagram post about that uh, that muscle car that he had? Yeah, dude, he had the he Wolf put that in old school. <laughs> <laughs> <Gosh>. Hey, Mike, <laughs> she's not exactly street legal. Hey, Mike, <laughs> <laughs> I love Clay. I love his brain. 
He makes me happy. He's the fucking best, man. I'm so excited to see him come back, man. I can't wait. I just need him to come back healthy. And I, if he goes down again, like I'm going to cry. Just quit basketball. I'm yeah. Just done. Can't do it. I couldn't agree more. Uh, was there any interesting things around the basketball league you want to talk about? Anything else? The National Basketball Association? That The one and only league that is okay. the NBA. This league? Uh, no, nah, man. I think we covered the, the main thing. We covered Ben Simmons. Talked a little bit of odds. Um, I was following, I'm not going to remember his uh, his at now that we're actually recording, but my favorite uh, Twitter NBA doctor was uh, was following oh, yeah. him. What's his name? Is it Navon or it's like Dr. I'm just typing in Nav and seeing what I get. <laughs> I forget what it is. Um incredible doctor though really really good follow on twitter if i can fucking find where he is but he was like every time they they release those tweets where it's like uh clay thompson is set for like a christmas comeback bearing all setbacks and, and everything like that and he breaks it down like with the type of achilles tear that he had in this month that would put him at this many months post-op which is right on time nobody should worry like he's looking great and those tweets just make me so happy. I love it. He was tweeting about Clay Thompson and James Wiseman today, just pretty yeah. much assuring the entire fan base that they were on track and that everything's going to be okay, even if Wiseman's not uh, suiting up for the home opener, which doesn't sound like he will be. Um, Dr. Uh, Narav Pandaya. There he is. That's yeah. my guy. Yeah, he's – what a crazy lane just to, like, put yourself in. Just Incredible like, yeah, lane. I'm just going to comment on sports injuries. I have no association to the Warriors except for I'm just a fan – that knows the area doctor (laughs) exactly and he's like a big fan of the uh i think he's pals with the um why am i going blank the light years fellows i can see Uh, that yeah yeah. i think he goes on their pods sometimes and and talks some stuff but um that was it that's all i had for the for hoops man yeah it's been a it's been a boring ass uh summer i'd say it's like the same drama Mm -hmm. like just repeated like i don't know it could Nothing be just new. due to the fact that it ended in july and there was not a ton of stuff going on but it'd be like i said I'm also like ben simmons <laughs> I, yeah so am i i had another miles bridges rap video pop up on my twitter feed today and that made me smile he's got bars but he's got fucking bars yeah, yeah. I'm a huge miles bridges fan mm-hmm. um so hopefully we'll have some more uh more of his hip-hop content to put out there <laughs> I know we'll have to open a song, open an episode for one of his songs. Um, before we go into the stuff about the trashers, oh, yeah, it's a little bit late, but I feel like we got to touch on it very briefly. The whole Donda certified lover boy, ah, all yes. that jazz. Um, good call. When There's we talked a couple episodes ago, like what our 27th episode, we were talking a little bit of Donda, um, mm-hmm. kind of around the time we had Joey on, and it was that surprise release earlier this month. And then that's right, right after that was a certified lover boy. And so people are pitting those two against each other. Reminds me of the 50 cent versus uh, Kanye back in 2009. Graduation. Uh, Curtis for his graduation. Yeah. Um, I don't like associating them with each other, but what are you, uh, what are you digging more of? So I think it's fair to say I haven't gone back to either 
in like a week or so, which for me is kind okay. of telling when something comes out less than a month ago, usually I'm kind of running that back and forth. Um, I don't, I don't, I think they're both good. Don't get me wrong. Um, they both have entirely too many songs on them. Yep. Um, I think it's 27 songs on Donda and CLB Jesus. is what, like 20 Drake's always 20, good for like 22 21. songs. Yeah. So yeah. fucking annoying too many. Um, but yeah, man, I, I made my cuts on Donda for the most part. I think I want to say that as a whole, I did enjoy Donda more. Um, CLB maybe had like higher highs, but I thought a lot of them were just kind of like yawners, which yeah. I haven't really loved a Drake release in a while. Um, but as far as Donda goes, like huge fan of Jail. I think Jail was good. Um, Off the Grid was good. I liked Hurricane. Praise God. Uh, huge fan of uh, Junior Part 2. Junior Part 2. Junior Watanabe. Um, and there was a few more on there that I really liked too, but I would say Junior Part 2 might be the one that I was I was running with the most off Donda. Um, okay. And probably one of the bigger takeaways for Donda for me, I don't know about you, was I was so disappointed in the Jay-Z feature. Oh my God. <laughs> Every time I hear Jay-Z's voice... So like I'm, I'm, I'm definitely a Jay Z fan. I love his solo shit. I think usually he snaps on features. Yeah. And this one, I mean, made in the image of God. That's a selfie. Get out of my face, dude! It was, it was so <laughs> weak, so horrible. So that that definitely uh, was a was a bummer for me. Usually, every time those two link up, it's it's a classic, and that was anything but in my eyes. Well, I was gonna say, what was the last like good Jay Z? guess first that you can i mean his, his on the contrary his feature on Loverboy, i didn't hate oh see i don't even have that song on my cut that, that's not not made the cut like i don't I, love I, it but i definitely don't hate it it's much better than uh whatever the fuck jay-z does on donda but i thousand times i'm just so soured by it where i like skip the song before jay-z gets on on that song uh sure. that's fair Whatever it's I think called. He, uh, yeah, I think he did like a Khaled feature. Yes, thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's been on like pretty much every Drake album. Um, oh, you know what? I actually did enjoy the feature he had on that Meek album. Uh, I mean, he was just talking about like how rich he is on What's Free with, <laughs> with Rip Ross. Oh, but, yeah, that's a good song. But I did enjoy that one. That was probably yeah. the last Jay-Z feature I really, really liked. <laughs> So what? Right, Picasso's what would, and shit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you could tell me how many Basquiat's you got. I don't care. <laughs> um, what What was your favorite between the two? Did it, Did one album really stand out more than the other to you? Neither stood out more than the other. Um, I enjoy them both. I associate them both in the same world because I like the features on both of the albums. Um, oh, okay. I can do without. The Kanye on his album, I can do you, without Drake on his album. You like that DaBaby feature on the Kanye album, huh? <laughs> you know, the thing with Kanye is having 27 songs. I don't think I've ever listened to any of the part twos, like including Junya or Junya. Like, I oh, see did. that? It's just, gotcha. it's too far down the list. I'm usually stopping at like 15. I feel the same way about Drake's album. Um, so Drake's got 21 songs. Still entirely too much for me. Yeah, like Fountains On, which is 16 on, 
I don't think I've heard those songs yet. Like the one with Ty, Ty Dolla Sign, Wheezy and Ross, Kid Cut. I, I just, I'm not interested in going to those songs. I know I've heard them, but they didn't, like, I don't remember them, which I think says a lot about the songs. Um, for Certified Lover Boy, obviously Way Too Sexy is a banger. I really like the song with Dirk and Gibeon. Um, In the Bible, that's a good one. Yeah, I love Knife Talk. Oh, man. Um, it's a fucking you, reptile. You give me a Time and a Place song with Drake, I'm locked in. So I like 7 a.m. on Bridal Path. Yeah, he knows how to do those, right? Um, that's the only, like, one Drake song. I do like Pipe Down. I think the concept of that song is fucking hilarious. I was just going to say, I like Pipe Down a lot. <laughs> Pipe Down's a great song. So I was listening to that when it first came out, and I was like, man, this dude's a menace. Just listening to, like, TSU followed by Pipe Down. I'm like, you are a, yeah, he is a menace. villain. You're just a villain. You're just preying on these, like, strippers and just making songs about them. Or Amari um, Bailey, man. I know, right? The saint <laughs> but, of a mother. But no, those are my those are my cuts on that one. And then for Donda, for me with that one, I, I think I've told you, but any song that has Vori on it. So I like God Breathed. I like Oh yeah, that was Jonah, your shit. I like Jonah. I like um um what's it called? Kind of so many songs. No Child Left Behind. Mm. Um I like Heaven or Hell. I feel like that's a very like commercial song by him. Um, uh, I think the beat goes pretty hard. I like the song with Baby Keem. That's an album that we yeah. spend time talking about, but we might oh, yeah, do well, a full review of that one. Yeah, Baby Keem's album. Top of the morning, top of the morning. Yeah, it's all, <laughs> that album is fucking so incredible, man. Yeah, Jesus. he's like a ratchet Kendrick. We can spend some more time on that one. I might even yeah. open the, 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 the episode with uh, with Family Ties. just because I think you might need to just run that whole song on the internet. <laughs> There's too many great. parts to that. But yeah, no, I they're both good. I think I'll pull five to six songs out of both. and That's a fair assessment. Play, yeah. Um, but again, like you said, too many songs. Drake's catalog is getting a little too extensive for me to a point where I'm just like, what are these albums like he's clearly just he's so good at doing it for streams and like the marketing aspect to it like he's got 20 of the 21 songs on the top billboard like that's ridiculous bro you're murdering it so yeah that's why he he can do anything and just yeah he can do anything and it'll it'll be platinum it's just it's you're like 40 years old singing about the same shit I'll always tune in. I'll always enjoy it. But to make it like come back to it in a couple months, outside of maybe yeah. way too sexy, that's about it. Yeah, I don't think I'm going to be running it back too many times. Um, <laughs> he'll probably do a double album next, get those streams up. Right. It just sucks. You're going to have some like weak ass dudes out there telling the girls to pipe down because <laughs> of these songs. It just drives me nuts. But <laughs> I mean, I've already been seeing a ridiculous amount of IG captions come straight from the CLB catalog. So oh, God. You know what it but, is. You know what Drake does. <laughs> He's an IG caption rapper. Caption rap. Um but going back to uh some visuals, we uh we had this one pinned down to talk about. This mm. is going back to our untold saga, the Netflix um series where we talked about the um Malice in the Palace. I think what we said last episode. I went into it thinking it was a series about Malice in the Palace. Me too. Boy, was I wrong because they've got some sick stories. And one of the stories we're talking about today is the uh, the Danbury Trashers. Um, I'll let you sort of lead this one and tell us a little bit about 
the great story of the uh, the Trashers. Yeah, man. Like you said, it's in the uh, it's in the series of Untold that's going around on Netflix. I think the guy is doing five uh, five Untold stories that not a lot of people know about, and he wanted to basically either offer a different perspective or just a story that people hadn't heard of. So uh, this one was called Crimes and Penalties Untold. And you're right. It is about the Danbury Trashers who were a minor league hockey team. Um, I think somebody said in the doc, it's pretty comparable to like double A baseball. So you're going to be getting a lot of guys that are like either past their prime or um, just kind of fighting to get on an NHL uh, roster or, you know, weird circumstance for the most part. It's like the players from the replacements, but in a league. <laughs> very much so. I was thinking about making that comparison, but I didn't know how well that would play. But you're right. Very, very much replacement-esque um, uh, roster for sure. But uh, Cool Doc um, basically opens up with the commissioner of that hockey team, which is called the UHL. And he kind of like gives his quick intro on how he met the stars of this documentary and what they kind of sold him in the room when they started a new team. And to kind of go back and give like the basis of this documentary, it's about this guy, Jimmy Galanti, a good fella, um, who basically owned a trash company. It was the biggest trash company in the East Coast. And excuse me, he owned the Trashers, the hockey team, but he also owned, I forget the name of the trash company, but he was getting trash pickups in like Westchester County, uh, Putnam County, Lower Dutchess, Western Connecticut. He had all these routes. Uh, and the way he described it in the documentary, he was a little bit of like a self-made garbage man, I guess. You start with one truck, you get to two trucks, you get to four trucks, you get to 50 trucks. By the end, you have this, this garbage conglomerate. Uh, shout out to my great uncle, James Bacalioni, rest in peace. He, he was a sunset scavenger. He owned a couple of trucks himself. Um, <laughs> But yeah, it just, it paints this picture of this guy who started in the trash business and kind of like made this beautiful life for his, for his family. I think he lived in Connecticut and they just showed that he was like a multimillionaire. He was this rich dude who pretty much never said no to his children. Um, and that's pretty much how they paint the picture in the beginning of the doc. Um, they kind of refer to uh, a part of it where Tony Soprano might have been based off of him. Basically, a guy who's connected, who owns a trash business, has a son named AJ. A lot of similarities in that regard. Um, but this account that I follow, it's it's actually a, a podcast as well. I've, I've dropped them in the show before, The Sit Down. Um, the guy who does that show, who's has a pretty good pulse on, uh, on the mafia and stuff, tweeted out, James Galante was not in the mafia and was not the basis for the Sopranos. Not sure why the documentary mentioned the show. The guy was a business owner who was an associate that paid tons of money to Matty the horse. Only Sopranos reference of Galante reminds me of Dick Barone from the Sopranos. So I don't know how many people listening to this watch the Sopranos. I know you did for a good amount of time, Al. Um, but Dick Barone was the head of Barone Sanitation, which is where Tony collected his... Uh, his government check pretty much. And uh, that's why he was able to say that he was in like the trash business. So I don't know how true that is, but this guy is basically saying Galante was, was not in the mafia. He was just an associate. He rubbed elbows with those guys. And I think pretty much what they did was they helped him 
fend off other trash companies that wanted his territory. So they would go around, shake these guys down, light their trucks on fire, basically provide whatever muscle he needed to be able to own and operate these places to pick up the trash. Um, and they did say in the dock that he was an associate, which if you know anything about the mob, if you ever follow those nice uh, trees of uh, leadership, <laughs> yeah. you got the you got the boss up front, then you got your capos, then your soldiers, and below them are the associates who are not actually in the mob, didn't take the omerta. They're just kind of rubbing elbows and making money. So Yeah, I feel like they use that as a way to like just embellish a little bit. Like I didn't get a yeah. sense like they definitely painted him as if he's like a Tony Soprano of, of, of Connecticut. And they did. Like, not to say he wasn't doing anything illegal, but it wasn't like in any way like mob related. What it sounds like he was just you know hanging out with some Italians. He was just making that association <laughs> that he's yeah. in the mob. Like, <laughs> yeah, he's just eating gabagool at lunch. Nothing yeah, crazy. Probably, yeah, nothing wrong with a couple of cold cuts. <laughs> no, never. Um, but yeah, I mean, it it, it was in, the first thing that I thought of when I read that saying that he he wasn't actually in the mafia was holy shit! Like you don't have to be in the mob to like make that much money. This guy was fucking rolling in it. So the way that they were portraying him on the documentary and everything, I was convinced this guy's connected. This guy's in the mafia. He's just making money like hand over fist. And we'll get into that as the story progresses. But I I was just blown away that like technically he's not in the mafia and he had this much money coming in off of being. A, in the sanitation business it's crazy i mean they also like the way they like set the stage of it they also made it seem like he went to jail for like mafia related things and like shit like that like they made it seem like he right do was kill it or something like that so like okay this is kind of right tight. this guy's legitimately in the mob but yeah you can make some dough when you just have a, a stronghold in the northeastern uh trash business yeah absolutely who knew what am i doing with my life (laughs) yeah exactly we're in the wrong biz dude um but yeah i guess he was connected with maddie the horse ianello who was a capo in the genovese crime family and then i think at one point he was actually the acting boss as well so the way that they were kind of painting the picture in the dock that's who he reported to that's who kind of gave him all the muscle he needed um and obviously Genovese are like one of the five families in the, the New York mob who control pretty much fucking everything. Um, but then as the story goes on, kind of, they really paint a picture of like his relationship with his son, AJ, who yeah. they show in, in the doc, like he loved his son. He was like, he's the love of my life. Like I, I, I just, he brought out a different side of me. I, he was went on about how his dad worked like three jobs never really got to see him. So he really wanted to make sure that he got a lot of FaceTime with his son, brought him up the way that he wanted to and had a strong relationship with him, which it definitely showed that he did. Right. Yeah. Definitely. Like a genuinely, like, like to a fault where the kid was like completely spoiled, but yeah, the other day, like his, and you saw it throughout the whole, the whole episode, like he fucking loved his son still does. And like, you love to yeah. see that with someone like, <laughs> You look at uh, the Sopranos. I didn't see the whole. I didn't watch the whole series, but Tony wasn't loving AJ like he uh, like no. Jimmy like Jimmy Galante was loving his son AJ. No, so. they, yeah, they didn't base the Sopranos off that for sure. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it was kind of interesting how like I mean, we'll, we'll talk about it. We might as well jump into it, the whole scene where he got all the wrestlers showing up to his birthday party. Yeah, um, that's where we were going next. You're right. Like spoiled the hell out of little AJ. Um, he had what the rock showed up, 
Triple H. Uh, Triple H was there. China. 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 So a funny <laughs> thing about that is, as I do with everything, I, I fucking look too much into all this shit. And I was watching an interview with AJ and that he did, I think, recent day. Might have been with, I think it was with like a local radio station. And they were asking him about that wrestling birthday party. And he was like, man, I was so excited. These guys came. My dad had a connection. They were in town for a show. So they came by to my birthday party first. And he was like, I don't know why, but I just remember China had like, like eight hamburgers at my house. She was just fucking hammering hamburgers. <laughs> Imagine being at your 10th birthday, having all your buddies there. Wrestling is like the shit. And China is to your right, just like hammering a bunch of cheeseburgers. Like you're not gonna remember hanging out with the rock, you're not gonna hang out with Tri- you're not gonna remember Triple H. All you remember is China just murdering <laughs> grilled burgers all day. I love it. <laughs> she gotta get that protein, man. It was the the early two thousands. She was bulking. Yeah, I love a good cookout burger, so I don't blame her, man. I've, yeah, I've been known me. to put down two to three in my time. So easy. Easy. Mm-hmm. Uh, another funny story that he had told on that radio interview was that. After the party, his dad had gotten him tickets to go to whatever wrestling event that those guys were going to be performing at. So, of course, Jimmy gets his son front row tickets and he's like waving to all these wrestlers like, yo, you were just at my house. It's my birthday. What's up? And I guess Triple H went up to him and was in the Triple H character and was like, we just came to your house and spent the afternoon with you. You sit your fucking ass down. Your time is over, pal. (laughs) And like was talking shit in his face. And he was like, and China was next to him and was kind of doing the same shit. And he was like, I'm thinking here, what the fuck? You're at my house, China. You ate eight hamburgers. Now you're talking shit to me. <laughs> now you're mean to me. Come on, I'm 10. What's going on? <laughs> um, but yeah, the amount that this kid was spoiled was just crazy. He pretty much got whatever he wanted. And it's funny because basically his two biggest interests in the world completely shaped how his teenage years went. And he had mentioned that that was the Mighty Ducks and wrestling. Those were his absolute two favorite things in the entire world, whether it was watching the the movies, playing the video games, whatever. He was in love with the Mighty Ducks and he was in love with wrestling. And it's just kind of funny how like that escalated into what was the Danbury Trashers. Mm -hmm. And it was basically this like wrestling show on ice for the most part. They just love to get tune people up and get into fights. You forgot um, to mention the uh, so like when <laughs> one of my favorite parts was sort of his like morphing into a straight up wigger throughout high school when uh, <laughs> he his dad went to jail for a little bit and yeah obviously so yeah his dad went to jail with his dad and then <laughs> he pretty much turned into like uh, Happy Gilmore on the on the hockey rink just beating people to shit fighting everybody he looked yep. like your classic like low cut Caesar wigger from the East Coast. <laughs> yep. big ass chains like crooked hats and then <laughs> unbelievable like he had shorts that were down to his ankles it like the mm-hmm. b-roll in this documentary was just prime 2004 wardrobe it was crazy mm-hmm. i think he right. had on mid top af1s in every scene yep. he had like the he had the nas uh swirl part it was in his thick italian hair it was unbelievable um <laughs> But yeah, like you said, his pops went to jail on tax evasion when he was in eighth grade, missed his whole year. And that's kind of like when he basically became a punk, I guess, lack for better words. He was playing a lot of hockey, being more physical and fighting than anything. And uh, and yeah, pops got home, 
And as he said in the documentary, he was like, I was kind of in awe of like how mean he was on the hockey rink. And I liked it. Like, I, I really, really I enjoyed it. Yeah, I was Yeah, I was enjoying that power and like the power he was wielding. I'm like, oh, shit, there's definitely something going on with this guy yeah. for sure. Um, but then it goes on. And I guess in I think his senior year of high school in a hockey game, uh, he gets hurt and uh, it was a bad injury. And I guess the doctor told him, like, yeah, unfortunately, dude, you're not going to play hockey again. So he's devastated. He's all bummed out. And his pops, what is what is the what does his dad do? He gets his son everything in the world. He's like, oh, you can't play hockey anymore. I'm going to buy you a minor league hockey team and you're going to be the GM and the president. There's a different level of spoiling your kid when like, yep, there's two types of spoiling. It's like they ask for something, you get it to them. Or it's like, I'm going to go 10 steps ahead of what you might even want as a kid. And I'm going to give that to you. It shows with the, with the, uh, the wrestlers, like most kids are like, Oh, it's just like a wrestling theme birthday party. It's like, Nope, I'm taking it. 10 X. I'm bringing actual stars. Oh, you, the rocks you, coming. You still want to be involved in the hockey. Yeah. I'm going to buy you a fucking team. Like that is a, <laughs> completely different level of spoiling your kid that I couldn't even fathom as a parent. Like I wouldn't even know what to do. Like, Oh yeah, I'm just going to tell you what you want and just force you to be a spoiled ass kid just because self-serving parent that I'm going to be. Yeah. It's, it looks good for me to give you what I think you want. So that's what I'm going to do. Yeah. It, it was God forbid you get bullied like crazy in school, but that's not my problem. <laughs> right. Yeah. Not here. Um, but yeah, AJ basically becomes like the GM, I guess, and the president of the team. And from what they showed in the in the doc, he was pretty much doing like his recruiting, going through fucking uh, like different VHS tapes and looking up stats online, trying to find these guys to, to add to his team. Um, and like we mentioned before, you're not going to be getting like the cream of the crop talent in a minor league hockey team. It's it it's not where uh, where these guys are going to be looking to play and 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 like it's not a destination mm-hmm. um but it was funny because they showed their opening press conference and they were like we knew we had to make a splash who's the first person they signed brent gretzky the brother wayne, of wayne. <laughs> wayne gretzky's little brother brent gretzky and it was just it was like the perfect headline grab it just matched exactly what they were trying to do perfectly um, i do i do gotta give aj credit like he put in some work putting together his team he's like i'm gonna take he took it seriously he's like i'm gonna create this bad boy team like we're gonna be pretty much the wwe on skates and i'm just gonna find bruisers and we're gonna yep. start by getting some cheeky uh brother of uh wayne gresky and the rest are just gonna be these hard-hitting bruisers that just such a great cast of characters as they sort of went through the rest of the doc yeah just enforcers in every sense of the word it was crazy they added uh old boy brad wingfield who uh <laughs> they saw him in like a photo in a jumpsuit because he had beat up like six correctional officers and aj's like yeah need this guy on my team i um, said that brad uh brad wingfield set a record for penalty minutes in the season 576 minutes spent in the penalty box which is so he's basically happy gilmore yeah <laughs> he also had that <laughs> he did the classic like went through his whole like rap sheet from his health perspective he's like yep i got two broken fibias two like every arm or finger has been broken i'm missing this finger broken my jaw like you're just (laughs) just such a scoundrel on the ice it's hilarious not to mention 
one of the more polarizing characters in this whole thing was the equipment manager, a man by the name of T-Bone, who when they put this man on camera, he's wearing like these ridiculous sunglasses. He's smoking a cigar. It seemed like pretty Pink much polo, every- like yeah, pretty much everything he said in the documentary seemed rehearsed like he was trying to go viral to me. That's kind of how it came off to me. Um, it was a little, he, yeah, it was a little much. There's, there's always one character like that in sort of these, like, yeah, nothing to say low budget documentaries, but just like documentaries that are part of a series where it's, you're going to have someone who's trying to be like the, the screen grab and, and <laughs> T-Bone stole the show. <laughs> T-Bone definitely stole the show. He, he stole a nice, uh, a nice line from the Chappelle show. I think they asked him, did you really, uh, like pin up seventh and eighth graders up against the boards when you were coaching them in hockey. And he was like, did I? Yeah, I did. Cocaine was a hell of a drug. <laughs> <laughs> he was also the one that was known to like, just be a complete douchebag to the opposing teams, leave them like four towels for the whole team to clean up with, make sure that their water in the showers were, was cold. Like just a complete and utter scoundrel, like shit eating the worst face the whole time. Yeah. yeah oh, I might've done that. I may have done that, but yeah. competitive. <laughs> Such a fucking asshole. Um, there's also probably one of the best sports na- like nicknames I've ever heard in this documentary. And that was another one of the enforcers. And his nickname was the Nigerian Nightmare. Oh, yes. That guy was, first of all, I was like, I didn't know Nigerians played hockey that back then. Me neither. Second of all, this guy was a goddamn house. Raman Nadur. Like yes, Nadir, that's right. Nadir was just an absolute house. Also, sick story. He said that his mom would not let him play hockey. So the only way he was able to get on the ice was to do figure skating. So he, <laughs> yeah. learned, he like learned his basis of hockey and how to skate just by skating figure skating on the side, which <laughs> is hilarious. And I'm sure for a big dude like that, that's probably why he was so good at skating. Right, right. He was just a massive guy that had the sweetest feet on the ice it was nice yeah exactly doing <laughs> fucking pirouettes after he scolded gore um surprisingly enough though like when i saw the the like preview to this i did not expect it to be good i thought they were going to be you know trash bag team but for the couple of years they, they were competitive like they were the whole, they were the whole good doc goes they almost they almost win a cup like they were very competitive so I think there's a couple, probably two of the biggest like reasons that they were competitive. One, Jimmy Galante was paying all these guys under the table. <laughs> so he was not adhering to the UHL salary cap. So the way that these guys told it is he would have him in for a meeting and be like, oh, how much did T-Bone offer you? Nah, we'll double that. Here you go. Here, here's your signing bonus. He would throw him a wad of cash on the table. Here you go. Sign the contract. You're in. Yep. And so he would just basically pay these guys like double, triple what the league was allowing. So they were getting these really good players and they were loyal as fuck because they were playing for this quote unquote mob dude yeah. who was taking them out to $10,000 dinners. I think he was leasing them houses like Lakeside in Connecticut. Unbelievable. Insane. <laughs> Fucking crazy. Um, but yeah. And, and another reason was they were probably the most aggressive and fight ready team in the league. And I think one of the, I guess you, I think it was probably the one of the cooler scenes in the dock. Winger was saying that before their first game of of like the Trashers for the first inaugural season, first game, T Bone goes up to him on the bench before they get on the ice and hands him a cell phone 
and goes, oh, Jimmy wants to talk to you. And he points to Jimmy up in the owner's <laughs> box. And Jimmy like jingles the phone back and forth. And he's like, hey, as soon as they drop that puck, I want you to drop your fucking gloves and hit somebody. And so that's, they just start off the first game of the first season just with a brawl. That part and, was so tight. <laughs> and people fucking loved it, dude. Like people ate that shit up. And when you're playing against a team that wants to fight all the time, I'm sure that they're going to have a huge advantage. For sure. And their fans were rabid. They had like the two, like the, the disabled couple. Yeah. yeah. And then like, what was a section? Like section like 102. Or 102. Something. 102, baby. <laughs> yeah, <that's>, <laughs> <laughs> just a, a rabid trash fan base. Like it was, yeah, for, I didn't know a thing about this going into it. And like, it was so fun to watch the fight. I mean, I'm not a hockey guy, so I'm, I'm on the side of like more fights, the better. Um, right. Like, this ragtag bunch of, of like I said, like the replacements and from a character's perspective, yeah. um, winning games, beating ass, and probably getting doing it like coked out and drunk the whole time too. You know, like what is I'm sure they were. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, I guess I didn't realize. I think a, like a pretty normal average fights per game in hockey is like probably two or three, and they were saying that they were getting into like eight fights a game, just. Uh, like almost three per quarter, which is ridiculous or not quarter period. Excuse me. (laughs) Where's my head. Um, But yeah, man, it was wild. They showed more and more scenes in there with like, uh, I think Jimmy Galante after that big fight where a winger got really, really hurt. Jimmy Galante, like damn near got on the ice and punched a ref in the face. So just kind of the funny, like uh, duality of this whole thing is, You have this guy who's very connected to the mob, who's super rich, probably trying to keep a low profile, has already served a year in prison, and he's making headlines with this hockey team that he bought his son. And, I mean, he's got to know in the back of his mind that the FBI is on his ass, which they were. And the whole time this shit was going on, the FBI had people undercover at the games, listening to conversations. They were tapping people's phone. There was a scene in there, too, where they were able to tap Jimmy's phone. And he was, it was just such a classic, like, mob call. He was like, hey, you know that thing over there? Yeah. Tell them if they don't get that fucking truck out of there, they're going to have a nightmare on their hands. I swear to fucking God. <laughs> He's just talking <laughs> shit to some guy. It's incredible. Um, but, yeah, the team seems to be winning games. They're getting all these ridiculously good players. I think the NHL at one point went on strike. So uh, what was the guy's name? It was Mike Rupp. They got, yeah, they're, Mike Rupp from the uh... – New Jersey Devils. Red Wings or Devils, sorry. Um, they got the professional player. He probably got paid more than he expected. Like, yes. Oh, for sure. They were just throwing duffel bags of cash at him. Yeah. Um, and they had a great year. I think they lost in the championship of that the Colonial league. Cup. The Colonial Cup. Yep. There you yeah. go. We might need to get a replica of that. Looks like a right. pretty sweet trophy. <laughs> and the um, whole time, the uh, the commish, like he was kind of the one of the sneaky stars of the show where he comes in as this like by the book, your classic, like hardo commissioner of, uh, hey, you're out of here, league. pal. <laughs> this is my league, pal. And <laughs> like, it came down to the end when they're sort of trying to put all these charges and, and catch, um, Jimmy Galanti up and jam him up. Old boy was like, Hey, he was nothing but good to me. Obviously I didn't like it from my league, but he still, he stood his ground. And, and I think Jimmy had a good quote of like, 
sometimes the people you think are your enemies are, are looking out for you because they did not like each other clearly like they were not getting along mainly because of the fights and what it did to, to his league but you know he didn't snitch yeah. on him he didn't know yeah, Kamish thought they were making a mockery of his league. I said, hey, AJ, I will suspend you. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, he, Jimmy said, like, yeah, that guy stood up for me. And he was like, they kept trying to get him to say, like, I was afraid of Jimmy. He posed a threat to me. Yeah, that's what it and was. And I guess every time they investigate, he's like, Jimmy's the most stand-up, loyal guy I've met. He's a sweetheart and never yeah. changed his tune, stood up for his boy. And, hey, he's man, nothing appreciate but good that. to me. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Exactly. Um, but as we said, when they put up all those wiretaps and had people spying on him, eventually, uh, he got caught up. And I think mainly they were really looking to get to Matt, Matty, the horse, uh, the boss of the Genovese family. I think obviously Jimmy Galante was kind of like small potatoes. They were really trying to use him as a stepping stone to get somebody higher up on the food chain. But, uh, but yeah, man, in 06, that was the last season of the, the trashers. They were able to indict Jimmy on, I think they said, damn near like 17 charges, right? Set, they said in uh, 06, he was charged with 72 various charges. Oh, 72. Yeah, Jesus. including racketeering. A lot yeah. of it was like fraud and, and a lot of like tax-related stuff. But they pretty much seized right. all of his, his properties, all of his like assets, put him in jail for 87 months, it says. Um, yep. Yeah, so they basically said that the hockey team was funded by his conspiracy and racketeering, which is yep. very true. So <laughs> they shut down the hockey team. Uh, the Trashers were no more the team that he built from the ground up with other people's money. Um, and yeah, he had to serve 87 months. I think the nail in the coffin that they mentioned on the documentary was that uh, after a while, the FBI was snooping around saying, Oh, you know what? We're actually going to indict AJ. We've got him complicit with a lot of the stuff you're doing. And I think, yeah, I think Jimmy was going to fight it until they said that. And once they said that they were going to get his son, uh, he pretty much was like, all right, I'm going to take a plea deal. They gave him about just over eight years, almost 10 years. Yep. Went away to prison, man. It's just kind of funny how like it all starts with his son comes full circle and kind of ends with his son too. And, uh, the, the kid who he pretty much risked everything for just to make him happy. In the end, Jimmy went to prison and his son had to grow up 10 years as a man without his pops, which I'm sure was, was super tough. Yeah. He seemed to be doing like, I mean, he has the, then he opened up the boxing gym, which he sort of like leveled out his, uh, his life a little bit. It seems to be on his, on the right track. And I thought it ended well. I thought like they did the whole like reunion of all the section one Oh two in the bar Getting right. everybody together in their trashers gear, having like Jimmy show up, and then uh, Jimmy's running up on a uh, Brad Wingman's uh, interview uh, session. That was cool. Set. Yeah, that was. Nice what are you gonna there. cry? <laughs> yeah, I don't cry for nobody. Yeah, <laughs> incredible. Um, but yeah, it was cool. It showed AJ became like a truck driver, I guess, for like ten years after the whole uh, trashers thing, and then yeah, now owns his own boxing. I think he's a boxing manager and promoter yeah that's right. whatever that's goes into that yeah um and then at the end it pretty much showed that he he scheduled a fight for that same arena that the trashers played in to promote one of his fights for one of his fighters um so it all really did kind of come full circle at the end yeah um 
but man, I thought it was a super cool inter- or super cool documentary, interesting story that I had never heard of. Anytime you take sports and mix it with the mob, I'm like a thousand percent in. Yeah. It's like, like the two things I enjoy watching the most. <laughs> it's fucking great. I I'm glad I had some time to watch that because like I, I agree. Mob sports fights in hockey, like pump yep. that into my veins. I'm all I'm yeah. all in. Sopranos meets the replacements. Yep. <laughs> meets uh, happy Gilmore. Yep, hockey style. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it was good. Another couple like funny things I, I or interesting things I heard from like the AJ interviews. I guess when Wingfield got hurt, he pretty much like lived and rehabbed in the Galante household. So oh, really? Was, yeah, and AJ was <laughs> like, "Yeah, me and him would just have like best out of ten uh, competitions with like NHL video games and Madden." So. <laughs> Wing, winger and uh and, and aj would just be sitting in the the danbury mansion just gaming it up for hours while he was crippled and not able to walk that's awesome i feel like aj would be fun as hell to hang out with these days just uh, <laughs> I'd absolutely love to get a couple beers with that guy oh man it would be, and another thing i respect is aj never sold out and went to like a grown man haircut he just nope. like through and through he kept the caesar <laughs> He's got the beard now. Like he's just not gonna, not gonna change for nobody. <laughs> and I love he's, that about AJ. He's the white boy turned just like a little bit older, but still has that like East Coast trash in him still. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You, you think like, oh, present day, the kid with the with the, the crispy line and the in the part probably has like, I don't know, maybe like a pompadour or a slick back like his dad now. Nope. Nope. <laughs> nope. Same old full cut. Full Caesar. Just yep. <laughs> complete respect. Couldn't, couldn't draw it up any better. Oh, that's great. Um, yeah, man, that was a, that was a fun watch. Uh, I got to watch a few more of those. I, I know there's a couple other that you said that we should watch. The uh, the boxing girl, the boxing girl one. Yes. So this one was good, but yeah, there's another one about this woman boxer. Her name is escaping me, but that one was really good. You got to watch that. We may mm-hmm. include that in one of our next episodes because that one was. Mm-hmm extremely entertaining to say the least i love it i love it man well yep. that about does it that was a Ooh. good good time back it was uh glad to get season two under us season way two. back to our regularly scheduled weekly uh weekly drops on wednesday mornings um and yeah going into the fall we're ready to uh, rock and roll yep Thank you everybody again for uh, for the listens, the support. Few of you guys even reached out in our uh, in our one month sabbatical, asking where we were at, and we're back, man. So uh, back, back. We're yeah, we're back, back. We're pumping out the content, and hopefully, we'll have some more fun stuff for you guys to listen to in the in the coming weeks. Yes, sir. We'll see you guys next week. Yep, everybody, be safe.